If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. This is Everything is Personal with Len May. Everyone, welcome to another episode of (laughs) Everything is Personal. I'm so excited today, but... uh, First, I want to introduce the very, very sage, cool hat today, by the way, my co-host. Is co-host equal to a host? Whatever that equal It, it should equality. be. All I'm saying is that I should be equal, but I think in this particular case, you definitely, again, I'm your Robin Quivers, man. I know. Whatever Robin Quivers is to Howard Stern, that's what I am to Len May. Well, my, my, my equally important co-host, Robin slash John Small, welcome <laughs> <laughs> well, Len, it is, as always, a really a pleasure to be here, and I'm so excited that we have a special guest joining us. I'm really, really excited to introduce the NFL legend, the great uh, Mr. Robert Griffith. Welcome to our show. Thank you. And more importantly, to the NFL great and all that other stuff, and he'll introduce himself. I consider him a dear friend, so I really, really appreciate Super grateful for you joining us. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. My pleasure, gentlemen. Robert, maybe we can give uh, the audience like a really uh, quick elevator pitch on you, your career, and some of the things that you're working on right now. My story is a little unique. Um, I guess I'll just start from um, from San Diego. Earned an engineering degree from San Diego State. Go Aztecs. Uh, I walked on in college, earned a scholarship, did not get drafted, uh, went to the Canadian Football League. I'll tell you the long story. It's an hour long. Yeah, yeah. Go <laughs> That's all right. It. We got nothing it's but crazy. We, we have hours. Um, it will take at least a half an hour for me to tell you how this road's been. It's been really incredible. So I went to the Canadian Football League for a year, did not play in a game, <laughs> ended up getting a walk on with the Vikings and um, Gary Zauner, shout out to Gary Zauner. From there, um, I made the team. Um, that's a whole nother story in itself. I was literally the last guy on the roster, but I made the team, mm-hmm. ended up being one of the guys to run down on kickoff and did all the grunt work. Broke their special teams tackle record that year, uh, became a captain. Um, my next year, broke my record again, uh, ended up starting a couple of games. And then my third year, I ended up winning the job. And so it was really a test, I guess, of mental capacity for me and just uh, attrition. That's kind of how I got in the league. The league was a lot different then. And what was the position you were playing ultimately? My first two years, I uh, was at free safety. And then my the bulk of my career, I played strong safety. So. Right. Kind of a little bit of a smaller kind of guy, but an enforcer. And um, <laughs> Danny Green used to call me a Swiss Army knife. So I used to be able to play a lot of places in weak side linebacker, corner, nickel, both safety spots. And so I think my versatility kept me around that long and allowed me to play some good football. And so I 
But, you know, I'm really, really proud about what I was able to do for the players. So I was a rep for our Players Association uh, my first couple of years. And then my fourth year, um, I got voted by all the players to a 10-member executive committee cabinet position. Um, and from there, we did a lot of amazing things. We started the marketing arm, um, Players Inc., which is now uh, NFL Players. Um, we signed group licensing agreements and um, uh, really changed the landscape of how the unions market themselves and generate revenue. Um, we signed the Madden game, you know, for EA Sports. Um, we did a deal with Reebok. We actually rescued Reebok, and that's a whole other story in itself. But um, we got a lot accomplished, and I think we set the blueprint for how major sports deals now, basketball, baseball, hockey, everybody. So I was a part of that, and I was really proud of the five collective bargaining agreements. We were able to uncover a lot of things that um, we weren't sharing on, and so we were able to put those in place. We went from designated gross revenue to total revenue. I mean, we can get in the weeds with that. It was a real, real fight. Now the guys have 401ks and health medical savings accounts and, you know, annuities. And I just feel really good about being a part of that and um, mm -hmm. being a, one of the guys at the tip of the spear for that movement. Mm -hmm. Over the last 20 years, I've been an entrepreneur. I owned um, multifamily unit um, housing places in Arizona, Nevada, California. Owned a couple of restaurants, um, one very successful, one not so successful. Um, <laughs> man, I've, I'm involved in gaming now, gaming platform. Um, I do a little business with my man, Lynn May, as we would say <laughs> on the phone. Uh, and um, we have a wellness company, uh, WeFence. And um, we offer, uh, and we'll get into that, I know, Lynn, but we offer uh, uh, formulations, um, targeted specifically for athletes in mind, mm -hmm. um, even though the um, ordinary person could use them and benefit them from them. And so right. just really stretching my entrepreneurial chops out. Um, I also have an NFL license. The Vikings bag will be here soon. The Steelers bag will be here soon. Um, I'm getting all my good friends. And, when um, am I getting my Eagles colleagues. bag? That's why I want my Eagles yeah. bag. Even though I got it's a that shitty one. That year. That one's going to be on the second. <laughs> yeah, that one's going to be on the second good. tier. Good. They don't uh, deserve you know, a bag. I want a Giants bag. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're, we're, we're definitely going to get all these bags out. And it just allows me to have fun and do incredible things with my friends and allow us to extend our networks. And so that's pretty much in a, in a nutshell what I'm involved in. And uh, there's a lot to chop up there, but. So uh, and I'm also story, getting my man. MBA from Fordham University right now. Oh so nice, man. A that's lot. a yeah. that's a lot. You're a young that's man. A, that's and... a that's a great resume, right? Like, yeah. think about it this way: as a walk on, like the fight that you had to go through to overcome so many obstacles to be able to get to where you got to. I mean, it's just such a motivating story for everybody that's listening to. Think about it. You know, you didn't get drafted. You didn't make it, but you kept mm -hmm. on pushing. I think I think it's that that internal uh, something that people have to say. Okay, even right now, what things that we're dealing with, and uh, you know, there's people around all of us that we know that are sick, etc. And and then being able to see the light at that tunnel and being able to overcome those obstacles. And I know, Robbie, you have some personal. Yeah association with that too but being able to have that inside of you that's a really special thing so i really appreciate you and then giving that. back to others for right sure. you weren't in it for yourself you seems like your yeah. whole career you were helping out others yeah and I, you know i have uh i you know started a foundation also i wanted to make sure i had that uh, yeah. 1998 
um, just with the sole purpose to give out scholarships to high school seniors. And um, so I've done that uh, successfully, put 36 high school seniors through college. And um, that's uh, one of the things I'm really, really proud about. And, but we have grown adults now. They went to Stanford, San Diego State, University of Minnesota, Mankato, um, uh, Xavier, West Point, uh, Hamlin University, Augsburg College, all those are in Minneapolis. That's, you know, we, we feel really, really good about that. You know, a lot of guys really supported me over the years. <clears throat> Jerome Bettis, Marshall Clark, Terrell Owens. Those are all my friends, these guys. Um, we've all supported each other. And so I uh, always to just remember all the, the things that we did in the early 2000s and, you know, the, the money we were raised and, and how we really got it done, right? And it was a lot of those guys supported me in doing it. It's beautiful, man. I, and I agree with John. I mean, yeah. going, going through and overcoming those obstacles and, you know, learning from that and then being able to take everything you learn and give it back and give other people opportunities. I mean, it's a special thing. So it's definitely something you should be proud of. And, I appreciate you know, that. And the yeah. work that we're doing, it's an extension of that. You know, just in full disclosure, our, our company, Endocana Health, uh, we're licensing to help uh, Robert and his company, WeFence, to create those formulations that are indication specific so we can help a lot of these athletes through the scientific research that we're doing and, and just people in general that have these symptomatic conditions. And it really says a lot about not only your business acumen, where you've had success, but also <clears throat> connecting back to the reason why, and that reason is to to help and give back. So it's it's clearly coming through on this. No, oh, I, I appreciate you guys uh, acknowledging some of the work. You know, it, it's always selfless, right? So, not for know, everybody. We get a chance. <laughs> not not for everybody yeah, in yeah, the cannabis exactly. industry. It is yeah. not, man. Yeah, that's true. That's people true. are take, 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 take. But at the end of the day, man, that shit comes yeah, through. So it's, it's really clear, uh, you know, who's genuine, who's uh, who's in it for self-serving interests. But yeah, cool, man. Yeah, and you know, there's a way to do it now where you know you can always make money and and still do it, right? So I think that that's. The next pursuit now, especially with our relationship. So. Right. so I'm going to try to make mm -hmm. this as quick as possible. We we do these things when we have a guest. We basically go through three questions. So first question for you, uh, Mr. Griffith, please describe your first experience with cannabis. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> if you remember okay. it. No, no, no. I actually do is what my brother Mike. Um, there you go. Uh, I was also with one of my lifelong friends, one of, one of my best friend, uh, Arthur Sims, and I'm calling him out. I was 16, and my buddy Art was 15. I just got my license, and uh, my brother was uh, home from the, the Army. Uh, him and his buddy always smoked, and we were all athletes and stuff. We never messed with it, and I remember calling us in the backyard. Uh, it had to be... Oh God, maybe two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. It was, you know, it's hot outside. And I remember um, he passed us a glass pipe, just a small little glass pipe. And I remember just laughing all day <laughs> and um, playing video. We were playing video games. I mean, Jesus. And was that, was driving that your, to was young. That Atari, was it your Atari 2600? No, it was actually ColecoVision back then. <laughs> oh, there you that's go. That's what we were on. Yeah. We're old school, man. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, that's old school. And um, uh, I remember us getting serious munchies and driving at Yum Yums. And I was like, my first time really kind of, I just got my license like maybe a couple weeks before. And so we ended up driving at Yum Yums and eating a dozen donuts, man. Wow. So that's my first experience. So, that's not um, a bad one. 
I don't know if that's exciting or not, but it's a good that's, one. That's what it's, it is a good one. We have a lot of we have a lot of people. Uh, as you know, cannabis is personal uh, to everybody, so we right. always ask because it's interesting when you hear some people like John and uh, I'm just gonna I'm calling you out because oh, you man. already shared this. Always. he had a really negative experience until he got to Nathan's hot oh, dogs. Wow. I was so, playing video games, yeah, and it was just it kicked in and at Nathan's hot dogs and man. But I did get the munchies and I just I just ate a lot of fried clams, which sounds kind of disgusting now. Oh wow. <laughs> but um no, it's also interesting that you as an athlete, you know, I think a lot of professional athletes I've talked to don't really discover cannabis until like after their career when they're injured and they need relief. And uh, you know, because there's a stigma attached to it, right? For a lot of athletes and they're scared to even go near it. But you, you, you know, I didn't touch you, it at all when I was playing. Yeah, when yeah, you were playing. Yeah, I touch it. Growing up, it was everywhere, you right. know. So, you know, just walking elementary, there was, you know, you got up in the morning and smelt it in my, my neighborhood. So it was not a big thing. We knew what it was, but it was more of um, we wanted to stay away from it because we wanted to play ball. So exactly. it's like that's when sports kind of comes back and keeps you in line. And, you know, I was one of those kids. Did you I, I, turn to it for relief from your pain during your career or after your career? Yeah, and, and I and I guess I said I messed with it. Like during my career, I probably smoked an off season a dozen times in thirteen years. Mm. Like, you know, I made the Pro Bowl. Uh, we went to Hawaii. We celebrated. I had all my good friends from day one, like Art, uh, Jay, and um, a guy named Richie, and a couple other guys uh, that I grew up with, and so we celebrated there. And but I can count, like you know literally a dozen times uh, during my playing career to where I did. Now it's like right after the season kind of thing. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. But it wasn't until I retired where I really started enjoying and, you know, discovering the benefits of being able to have a really active lifestyle. So for me, it was always enjoyable to just, and still is to take, you know, a couple puffs and then go work out, right. Go lift weights and, you know, it takes uh, the little edge off of warming up and getting in a groove. And by the time I'm in my groove, I'm in my groove, right? I'm, you know, I'm working it. So I see benefits, you know, all the way across the board for me um, and um, something I'm going to do the rest of my life. It works for me. Another testament to how different the experience can be for individuals like uh, Robert's using it as a pre-workout. And also maybe it's a recovery and maybe for something that's pre-workout is different than, than recovery after workout. And some people that I talk to, John John and I have had conversations, like if somebody consumes, there's no way this person is going to work out, you know, they, they get couch locked and they're in a different state. So it's so interesting how the genetics of this amazing plant and they, they work with your own genetics and your own mindset. So everybody has these uh, different experiences. And I, I think the more we talk about it, the better people will start to understand it's not just a linear experience. It, it's different for different people. All right. So second question is uh, music related. John and I are big music guys. Music and uh, cannabis. How does uh, music connect to you in your life? And how does uh, cannabis and music go together? Is there a go-to soundtrack that you like is there a song is there an album well everybody that knows me knows that nas is probably my favorite Woo. you know rap artist nice represent and so i had a you know so i guess it's an old ipod right it's like one of the first ones it's a small yeah. little mini and it's got the you know the the, the real plug-in uh on the on the uh intercept in there <laughs> i used that when i was playing so i had this thing 20 years ago 
And so I have my game music or, you know, my pregame music. And so I started going through it and it's Nas and, you know, a lot of independent guys like E-40 is, was one of my, is one of my favorites. But then, you know, obviously the West Coast, so Exhibit, Snoop and yeah. uh, DJ Quick, yeah. you know, like I'm a West West guy. Yeah. Right? How the and West was one. You just, you just gave the lineup for how the West was one. That's that three yeah. shows going on. Ice Cube, right? Rap. So, yeah, yeah, Ice Cube, the Alcoholics. Yeah. Like all these guys <laughs> are like jumbled up in there, right? So that was on my pregame music and I still like still when I work out I'll listen to I'm more of an instrumental guy like I I love lyrics don't get me wrong but when I'm working or just working out I like to have my mind drip so I listen to nothing but instrumentals my dad is a former saxophonist played all three horns Detroit pre-Motown oh wow uh you know I yeah I come from some incredible the men in my family are incredible my grandfather uh, was a uh, an entrepreneur on three barber shops. Uh, ran for state uh, representative in Detroit. Came in third out of eight, you know, candidates. Uh, was a prize fighter. Um, worked out with Joe Lewis. Oh wow! I got pictures of my grandfather and Joe Lewis. Yeah, oh, that's incredible. The gym, holding school. Yeah, so like the lineage is pretty incredible. But my dad was a musician. Went to Cast Tech with um, Don Cornelius, Smokey Robinson. Actually, my dad's. Uh, uh, high school girlfriend was Smokey Robinson's first wife. Wow. The Vandellas, the Marvin, I don't know how many people, how many different groups came out as cast tech during the, the, the late fifties. But, and so my dad was, um, went into the Navy. He was the first horn in the Navy. Um, so when I was a kid, I sat for inaugurations. I think I was there for Ford and two or three inaugurations. My dad played you know, he's the first horn. So he's the best horn in the Navy for 20 years. My dad wow. was bad, dude. He's got uh, five albums. Yeah, he's got five albums. He was in a quartet. Oh, that's awesome. uh, you know, so I'm a jazz enthusiast. All right. What has cannabis meant in your life? I used to have like a love-hate kind of thing because it was more mental for me. I always thought that I was hurting mm-hmm. myself. How can I want to do this, you know, and how it makes me feel. And I felt wrong about it sometimes just because of where the laws were and, you know, and all the stigma and whatnot around what it, you know, the more insight, I don't know, I'm kind of my own person. So I wasn't like, I was going to stop. I just, I think I weeded out people that didn't want to be around me just because they knew that I was okay with going out in the backyard, just taking a couple puffs at a party and not having it be a big thing that bothered them that, everybody would know that that's yeah. me. It, let me back up. I felt like it chiseled at the fact that I was this all pro, former all pro guy. And I think living that dichotomy of playing what's right for everybody or what's right for you has been tricky until late. You know, I'll be, I turned 50 on Monday. When I turned 45, I was just like, all right, this is good for me. I'm in shape. I'm still dunking a basketball, working out. This shit is working for me. I don't give a damn. Right. My girl's looking at me now. It's the <laughs> truth. I'm not lying. Like she's like, oh, you can't dunk. I'll go out there and jump on that ram right now. I'm 50, right? <laughs> and it's because it's because of I cannabis. Still, <laughs> yes. I no. I'm being real though. It's because I'm enjoying the process of everyday life. So I have a routine. When I'm flowing in my routine, I'm doing it a certain way and it works for me. Right. Yeah. And so that's all I'm saying. 
and that stigma really, really plays games with you. The family's been taught, my, my parents and other people, oh, you know, this is a drug and this is like heroin and all this stuff. And they don't understand. Right. And you, you kind of feel guilty because you're sneaking out, oh my God, am I doing something? It's illegal and it's this and it's that. But, uh, you know, I'm glad you were able to find that within yourself because I, I think some people are not strong enough to overcome the, those stigmas. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a level of not giving a fuck after a while. It's just <laughs> like, all right. right. You yeah, know, you're going to be that um, closed minded. I'm, yeah. I'm my best person with you, however you want to take it, because I'm doing what I'm doing. So exactly. Right. Exactly. That's, that's know, a beautiful so. statement. I said that to my parents. It's funny that you brought that up. So when I was growing up, I was uh, I was an angry kid because I used mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. And when I would uh, when I would smoke and I consume, it would calm me down. I would feel like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. that low. My parents right. were like the opposite. Like, uh, I think when you smoke that shit, it makes you angry. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm angry you all the time. Angry. <laughs> I, I'm angry because of you. Right. It's when I smoke that I'm actually normal. That I'm right. actually my. I love how people twist right, that right. around. <laughs> Twist it. Interesting. So we have a bonus question, like uh, some really fun. So describe what your room looked like growing up, if you remember. Oh wow, <laughs> uh, I do, and I got a pretty vivid memory because uh, before Corona hit, I was looking through at my mom's house some old albums, and I remember I had aluminum foil. <laughs> I put aluminum foil on my one side of my wall. Mm-hmm. We just. Like my sister's room was different. She had a chalkboard on one side of her wall mm-hmm. and everybody came in and hit her wall. Everybody walked in our house, had to go in her room and hit her wall up. It was like a big graffiti wall. Mm-hmm. But I had, <laughs> I had aluminum foil on one wall and then I had a thing I made in the eighth grade mm-hmm. uh, where I had different strings and it was almost like, uh, remember that game Trapezoid? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say yes, but but I don't. Okay. <laughs> it was, it looked like that. Right. Uh-huh. Anyway, it was just this string deal that I did. It was rainbow color. It was this artwork that I had on my board. Then I had um, a Washington Redskins uh, poster. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a San Diego the Chargers. Team? The whole team or was there like a certain Yeah. yeah because I was born in DC and my, right, right. my, my brother was team. Washington. That was your team. Band, so okay. they, they, you know, they wanted me to be a Redskins. Like band, a Joe so Theismann thing in my wall. Yeah. <laughs> but then I had, you know, the, the Chargers were there, you know, so I had the Chargers poster up. Sure. Um, and then Spider-Man I had everywhere on the wall. <laughs> nice. Um, stickers on my dresser. Like, oh, my God. Spider-Man was my yeah, guy. That was your guy. That's so yeah, funny. So that's you, you pretty much funny, it. You know what's funny about Spider-Man? So pre-COVID, uh, my partner Eric and mm-hmm. I went to a hotel in Portland. And speaking of how Portland is weird – the hotel, we walk in, we were in the Spider-Man room. So they had a huge mural of Spider-Man coming from the wall all the way up to the ceiling over the bed with webs everywhere. We're like, I'm like, what is Spider-verse. this? Spider-Man room. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. You're in the Spider-Verse. <laughs> it was really cool. It was really cool. I'm, I'm just going to ask this uh, question because I'm sure you've been asked before. Speaking of Redskins, or we, I think we call it the Washington football team now. Just a whole ridiculous. Oh yeah, that's right. But, <laughs> it's a but whole ridiculous. It was Redskins. You, it's you, Redskins. you told me it was the Redskins. The poster was a Redskins. Yeah, it's Redskins. Yeah, he was. So he was we'll being with that. No, look. Yeah, he wasn't. No, he wasn't no offending. It. Yeah, he wasn't any offending anyone. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> I'm offending. No, no, no. I, it's on me. <laughs> no, no. Trust so, me, I have plenty of native brothers and sisters. I can call out a lot of my people around the there country. You go. They, yeah, they're so my was, people, man. 
I, I'm just saying because <laughs> because you brought up the Redskins. So the first time yeah. I've ever heard your name like came through, and I didn't I didn't see the spelling of it, but somebody said Robert Griffin, and I was just like, oh shit, Redskins quarterback. And I didn't. Then right. you ever get people confusing you, you every day. <laughs> and you know, here, 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 here and let me, let me, let me just, let me. Can I put this out? In the, please, yeah, please, please put, put that out, out in the world. I'm gonna put this, please, because you know I'm all about energy and vibration now. My girl is always on me about look, the vibration energy ain't right. Yeah. So I'm putting this out there. So hopefully one day this will go away a little bit because this guy came in and I, and I love this guy. You know, I'm hoping he keeps playing and all that. He had a great rookie year. He, you know, he did some amazing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's RG3, mm-hmm. that got branded so hard, stamped everywhere, you know, during those, you know, whatever, couple of 24 months. Now, people always believe my name is Griffin and I'm Griffith. Yes. And I'm first, yes. right? So... Yes. He's chasing me, man. You know, what right. like I put in the work, man. Come on, come That's on, right. man. And, and I don't know. I don't You're the original. You're the original RG one. Yeah, I, exactly. When I retired, I was top ten in tackles. I did a hundred years of this league, man. I did some stuff in this league. So there you go. I don't know what I am now. I think I'm twenty fourth or fifth now. I don't know. Some there's a lot of guys past me since in the last 14, 16 years, but. uh I feel good about what I did, you know? Yeah, no, and, for uh, sure. Yeah, no, I'm happy to give you yeah. a platform to be able to clear that up with people because I want to make sure that people understand yeah. that, you know, and I, I like RG3 too. Uh, he's in Baltimore now. I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's in Baltimore. You're the he's first. RG1. I he's RG1. Yep. RG1. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that kid though. He, You know, kudos to him, man, coming back from that knee. And so yeah. I wish him nothing but the best. So For sure, for sure. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, for, man, for joining us. This is yeah. I could talk to you for an hour. I know you got to go. Yeah. Yes. By the way, I think we should bring RG One back to do a whole thing about Nas because we got it. We got to give respect to Nas. I love that you're a Nas fan. Let's do a Nas. Oh, and also, show, he's got man. a documentary on right now. Uh, you know, we're talking about cannabis, the smoke, yeah. the marijuana, and Black America on BT. He does, and he's got a and he's got yeah. a new. Uh, uh, I don't know if you heard his new song. Uh, yeah, it's good. Like a lot yeah, of those really old good, cats man. don't always have good. Yeah, you know. His, he, he always it's kind of hard. To, it's kind of hard to come back and make some good music when you're one of you know the old guys now. Yeah, you know? and when you, know, you and when you, you put know. out Illmatic, it's kind of like uh, hard to ever right. top that record. Right. You know, <laughs> one of the, the great best? records. Still, Stillmatic was good too, though. Yeah, <laughs> it was good, good. But, but Illmatic, uh, man, that's that's legendary. You can't, yeah, it's right? one of the greats. Yeah, legendary. You know who's really yeah. good at this though? Snoop. He's got the same flow every time, but he can always innovate. He can always put out new music, and it'll be current. No matter what he does, and it's very yeah. hard to do. And it's Snoop's his real asset is his sound, his voice, yeah. his yeah. sound, so yeah. original. Like yeah. there's only one Snoop, yep. man. Yeah. There's yeah. only one James Earl Jones, right? That, there's only right. one. Yeah. It's true. I mean, and Snoop's that guy. And uh, exactly. But I Old appreciate brother. my time here. I guess the one thing I wanted to uh, mm-hmm. just uh, get your opinion on, uh, Lynn, since you're you know one of the premos. Uh, authoritarian guys on cannabis and CBD. Like, what do you think about the new bill and being able to at least get past the first step? So how do you think this thing is going to play out here in the next year yeah. or so? This is uh, one of the topics that John and I were going to talk about because they passed another bill uh-huh. that nobody's really talking uh-huh. about. It's uh, the research bill that the House passed. Georgia is going to be a big state for us if the Senate flips mm. 
I think the Senate can ratify this uh, this bill. I think it's uh, act, it's yeah. an amazing thing to come from prohibition to this that we have now. Even if this bill doesn't pass the Senate, it actually gives us an amazing opportunity to have a discussion that we've mm-hmm. never had before. The problem with these bills are it becomes a negotiation and they start fitting in all these other things. Oh, we need money for this. We need money for that. Right. And the negotiation of it. So at the very least, maybe this bill won't pass in the way that it is now. However, it gives them an, an opportunity to negotiate the terms of what each side will want to do. And I think uh, when Biden actually comes in and this is going to be on the agenda, he talked about uh, decriminalizing and rescheduling. And they're, they're going to have to do that in order for this to have interstate commerce, which is the most important thing. I think what's driving this out of anything is money. Always. The oh, reason of course. Why is they have a 5% excise tax federally. And that's in the bill. Once you have that, now the federal government is able to take that money, reinvest. The states are going to be right. able to take that money to reinvest. That's kind of what drives a lot of these uh, programs and bills. It's, it's the money. Now they can taste it. I just wanted to make sure I was on the same page and the right page. <laughs> yeah, um, man. I, yeah, yeah, it's inevitable now. We're having a conversation already. Yep. Man, I, I think it's going to flip. I think Purdue's probably got the best chance to win, but I think Loeffler, <laughs> that debate was horrible. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> That's yeah. another thing. I'm that in the was, politics, She's like a robot. Right? Yeah. That debate was disgusting. It was horrible. I, I think <laughs> that uh, Warnock has an opportunity there, so. I hope uh, so. He's going to so be much... interesting, man. I, I got the popcorn out. I'm ready for it. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle I I can't handle yeah, another election. I get a heart attack during these things. <laughs> I'm going to just. <laughs> we we got to find the right cannabis uh, right. Uh, cultivar to Yeah, exactly. Down. Just to help you through yeah, the yeah, night. Right. Yeah. All right, brother. Hey, and, uh, right. I just want to give. You again. I also yeah, wanted I'm to sorry. give uh, Lynn a shout out, man. Um, <laughs> I appreciate. Yeah, no, I appreciate you spending all the time. Uh, educating a you know a guy like me on the benefits from a scientific you know I'm, obviously that's what I want to hear the truth the facts you know get more personal and and learn more about my body um, and how I can you know sustain you know having a you know this wellness this well being right just yeah. living every day feeling good you know mentally and physically um, and I so I appreciate you um you know educating me and. Bring me into your world, man. So uh, oh, yeah, man. just wanted to give you a shout out, man. I, I, Thank you. I don't, I don't hear a lot of people shouting you out, man. This guy. I appreciate it. Lynn knows what the hell he's <laughs> Big ups about, to Lynn. So. I'll shout yeah. him out. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, no, I appreciate, I appreciate it, man. That. It's been a good education for me. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. It so. definitely means a lot. So, hey, brother, listen, man, uh, I know you got to run. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Really, really appreciate you being here. I mean, it was really entertaining. I hope people really got, you know, the essence of you because I think it's a, you're a beautiful person for doing what you're doing. And, and I think people should really hear your story. It's great, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Robert. It's nice to meet you. Awesome. Yeah. Likewise, yeah. man. You guys have a great week. We'll have you back, Weekend. man. We'll have you we'll back. Talk soon. Peace. All right. Man. All right. Take care, brother. You have cool friends, man. He's awesome. <laughs> It was cool, right, man? He's, he's yeah. I want to hang out with him. Yeah, man. It's amazing. Somebody can spend their whole career just destroying people on the field and be so like kind and giving, you know, off the field. We'll have uh, one of my hockey friends on at one point, <laughs> yeah. an enforcer oh, that wow. led the league in penalty minutes for you know beating people up and getting beat up. You would be surprised how sweet and nice. I mean, even Tyson, man, like the yeah. couple times that I, I've hung out with uh, with Tyson, 
such a sweet, soft-spoken, down-to-earth guy. Like you would never think right. until he shakes your hand. Yeah. And the hand is like, it's not even the size of the hand, but it's the the volume of it. I don't even know how to describe it. It's yeah. so It's like big. out of proportion and, to and, like his whole body. Yeah. Oh my God. Like I can, when you shook my hand the first time, I, I had an immediate moment of like, can you imagine getting hit with that? Right. And getting hit the right way because he obviously he knows how to hit. He knows how to hit. Yeah, no, it's yeah. an interesting thing that they almost like athletes are able to compartmentalize, like they can live their life one way, but when they get on the field or when they get in the ring, they can just turn on another another personality and just, I I, yeah. Even if you're a performer of any sorts, uh, even musicians, like I, I know a lot of musicians that uh, that can perform and, and they're outgoing, but they're introverted. Yeah. I, mean, I think of myself, like on the mic, I'm just like a terror and then, uh, as soon as, this, are, yeah, as soon as this mic is turned off, I just slink off to a corner somewhere and cry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really interesting though. What a, what a great guy. And I, I was glad that he brought up the topic cause I was curious to hear your, your take. And I'm glad, you know, the topic of, of the Moore act and all this legislation and the UN passing or voting to decriminalize marijuana and not make it a dangerous drug on their dangerous drug list. The momentum is there. Um, we're, we're on the path. We're, yeah, we're on the I path. don't, I'm not that optimistic. I mean, I, uh, God, if the Democrats do flip the Senate, then I'm much more optimistic. I'm, I'm not optimistic on this version of the Moore Act, but it's fine mm-hmm. because the House quietly passed the Medical Marijuana Research Act. And if you look at that, what they're trying to enact, it's sort of a dual path. So one of the things they're looking at is what can we do to deregulate uh, cannabis? On the other side, they're saying there is not enough research. There's not enough research. And for those of uh, our listeners that are not aware, all the research that has been done anywhere in the United States, all the cannabis has to come from the University of Mississippi, mm. which is uh, has so many challenges with it. It's freeze-dried. It's full of mold. It's a cultivar or a strain of cannabis that really doesn't exist almost anywhere else. The THC content is not. So any research that's been done to date is not even realistic research because you really can't get that cannabis anywhere else. So by passing the Research Act, it allows people to use other cannabinoids, other cultivars, other chemovars to do research. Now we can start honing in on the plant, the different types of plants. There's so many different variations. And in addition to that, you can also start honing into the components of the plant. So let's say that instead of my my formulation, we'll have myrcene, linalool, uh, all these different essential oils. uh, they're, They're called terpenes in the plant this CBD, this minor cannabinoid, let's see how this works for this indication Mm -hmm. and for these genotypes. So the research becomes a lot more on point. And that one of the biggest pet peeves that I've had in cannabis forever, we talk about cannabis and the other side says, well, there's not enough research. Yeah. So agreed. There's not enough research, but fuck man, you're not allowing us to do the research without people might not realize it because it's federally illegal you know, people can't, the major universities can't do research. There's all sorts of restrictions. The organization that funds all the research in this country is the NIDA, which is the National Institute of Drug Abuse, which is incentivized to show that cannabis and drugs are destructive. So they, all their research, which is millions of dollars in research, is all about how terrible cannabis is. It's so screwed up, the whole system. We all know it. I think it's writing itself, but we have to be patient. It's very hard to be patient. I, I get it. It's hard for me because, I mean, this is how I make my living in this industry, and I want it to be yeah. 
I mean, it, it affects me every day how regulated it is on uh, a personal absolutely. and financial level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, banking and all that stuff, but even from a side of the business side, and I'm going to kind of segue a little bit, but along the same lines of cannabis, I had a friend of mine that reached out, his mom passed away hmm. and uh, not, not to kind of bring the mood down, but uh, stage four cancer. And uh, I was helping. I didn't know how, how bad it was, but I was helping. So the point, late stage, stage four cancer and also dementia, or Alzheimer's. And uh, one of the things that was, uh, that she was doing was uh, waking up at night and walking around. And I may have even talked about it on one of our previous shows. The formulation helped her sleep. So mm-hmm. it helped her rest and all that stuff. But it's such a pain in the ass because I can't take legally a formulation I think will work for her and mail it to her. She can't buy it off a website. You can't go in the store and get it. It's still because it's in Pennsylvania, even though it's legal for medicinal, but they don't have our formulations. We can't do right. interstate commerce it's and not. all this stuff. It just, it's just so difficult for somebody to get a therapeutic product that's only helping them with quality of life. I don't, I don't think anything that I was trying to do was going to all of a sudden erase the, the, the cancer and, and they and cure right. her. That just wasn't the goal. It. The goal yeah, it was to manage the symptoms. That's the ultimate goal. Like everything above and beyond that is a bonus. And I, I do feel that your mind has a lot to do with uh, the disease anyway. So if you're if you're feeling better, if your mental state is better, <clears throat> if you're getting sleep, all the other stuff, your body will help itself heal. And sometimes it's absolutely too late when it starts going into your bones. There's not much you can do, but at least, you know, that was the the communication I had with her son. And I said, man, I feel so bad. I wish I could have done more. And then he's like, well, you helped her so much to have a better quality of life towards her end. And that, that's it. And that's all we can do. But you still have to jump through a million hoops. And I don't think people realize, and especially us living in California, living in Southern California, we're sort of in the bubble. Oh, mm-hmm. you, you, need, you need weed? Sure. I mean- Snap my fingers. And yeah, we don't right realize there. how hard it is. So, no, oh, I know. Even in New York, my my mom's she's constantly asking me to mail her stuff. I'm like, mom, I can't mail you stuff. I mean, I can. But it's illegal. It's illegal. It's illegal. Yeah, <laughs> I get in trouble. You never um, do that. Yeah, you don't do that. And I'm like, you know, it's and and thankfully, New Jersey is now going to be legal because she can just yeah. get on the bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, New York will be legal too. Yeah. Everything will be legal, but it's just it's, it's stupid just how so it is. The system is set up now. It's, it's crazy. stupid and. I sort of sat down the other day and I was really upset and I sort of went through my mental Rolodex. I'm like, so many people passed away in whatever many years I've been doing this. And I feel that, like empathetically, I feel that I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. I was never trained on how to deal with that kind of stuff. So I go through these kind of phases where I start thinking about it. But then the conversation with like with uh, with Griff or other people, it reminds me the ratio of how many people were helped over how many people that were not. Even the people that passed on and transitioned, if we were able to help their quality of life, but so many other people, the ratio is so much greater on the people that actually got help from you know working or, or understanding or, or something I've talked about or something Dr. Michelle talked, anybody that's in the industry or you know any, any uh, formulation they may have taken, so that's sort of where I hang hang on to the hope that we're doing something really, really good for and helping people. Um, speaking of sleep, yeah, I want to want to talk to you about sleep. Maybe people are seeing this now on YouTube, but they are. I hope they're not sleeping. 
<laughs> I maybe that last segment was a little too much. All right, let's, let's no, 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 no. <laughs> I put him to sleep. All right, right, all right, I got it. By the way, one of my scroll moments, T-shirt. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, uh, you have a cool. I'm, I, a I have a cool T-shirt on today, but I'm, it's it's a little bit of a departure for me. I'm gonna go with, and I'm I'm standing up now so we can see it on the screen. Do you know? Do you Pablo Cruz? Do you know what Pablo Cruz is? Pablo Cruz is not hip hop. Pablo Cruz is a classic yacht rock band that did a song called "Love Will Find a Way." Love will find a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really, one of the sort of the pioneers of the yacht rock sound out of Southern California. And um, I decided I was just going to represent a little bit today, some Pablo Cruz. This is the kind of shirt that if I wear, there's only a certain type of person that will approach me in a, uh, a grocery store, <laughs> usually over the age of 65. I was going to say. Yeah, and be like, I love Pablo Cruz. And I'll be like, I'm the least cool person in the world. So yeah, I better start putting on my a- Kendrick Lamar shirts. Yeah, but, um, ARP cards. Yeah, exactly. But Pablo Cruz, shout out to Pablo Cruz. Um, and what are you wearing today? So I'm wearing a... 444. Oh, 444. So, yeah, do you know what that is? Is yeah. that a Jay-Z mm-hmm. reference? <laughs> <laughs> that is Jay-Z's last album. Oh. And it has one of my favorite songs on there called The Story of OJ. I, I think it's a way underrated album. And I know you're not a, a huge Jay-Z fan, but if you listen to that album. I'm going to listen to that, that album. Song. That album is poetry. Poetry. Okay. It's even if you turn and he's got some amazing Nina Simone samples in the story of OJ. And and the video is really, really cool and it's got an interesting meaning to it. And the other reason why I'm wearing this shirt, and I would started noticing only during uh COVID, when I look at my phone almost every single day, I look at my phone at four forty-four. I've been actually doing screen grabs of and showing it to everybody. Like my daughter sees it, my partner, everybody. I started looking it up. I'm like 444. I see it almost every day. And I'm like, what is that? So 444 is a symbol of spiritual awakening. Ooh. If you keep seeing uh, the number 444, it's a meaning of spiritual awakening. In addition to that, and there's a whole bunch of different explanations that I'm going to go into. But in addition to that, it's the angel number. And I'm like, what the hell is an angel number? So the angel number says it's a sign that someone is trying to communicate with you. Whoa. Who's trying <laughs> to communicate with you? I don't know. I have no idea, man. But it's a interesting That's thing interesting. That it's been, uh, it's been going on for close to a year now. But I see it all the time. And I used to I used to do a screen capture every single day so people wouldn't believe me because I had a date stamp on there. It's 444. It's been every single day. And I, yesterday, I was talking to my partner. I'm like, hey, hey, look at the time. What time is it right now? He's like, shit, 4.44. So whatever that, that means. I thought it was going to be 4.20. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good <laughs> I mean, I'm wondering what 12.17 is because whenever I look at the clock, it's 12.17. It probably means lunchtime. <laughs> it's lunchtime. <laughs> it's lunchtime. You need to eat. But anyway, so I'm going going back to sleep. Uh, digress. Okay, sleeping. And all that stuff. Sleeping. And great cameras. album. Great album. Great album. Highly, highly recommend. 4.44. Yes. Okay, we'll put that in our show notes. Somebody mentioned to me, I'm like, man, you get circles on your eyes. I'm like, man, I have not been sleeping. I don't, haven't been really sleeping well. So wanted to, uh, I want to kind of use this as a segue to talk about personal development a little bit too. So I joined this, uh, this class on flow, 
flows like your optimal uh, stage of neurobiology where all your chemicals are firing the right time. Uh, like athletes refer to it. Mm -hmm. Like if uh, they have a, they're shooting a, a basketball and it looks like it's a swimming pool, they can't, you're in your flow. It's like a zone of flow. Yeah. It's a zone. It's your zone. It's your flow zone, whatever. One of the things that's part of flow is recovery. Sleep is really important. So I'm like, man, I don't get enough sleep. So I started diving deeper into it and I started looking at the genetics and uh, there are genetic predispositions to insomnia. There's genetic predispositions to sleep. And I was thinking like, in order for me to recover, I may not need the exact same amount of sleep as you do. Like, uh, you know, Trump was saying that he only sleeps for four hours a day. Well, he's, yeah, but he's not. May a, or not be true. I, a, he lies and B, he's not actually human. So we can't really compare that. <laughs> he's a monster. He's actually like a monster. <laughs> How do you really feel? Yeah, exactly. This show's not political at all. Okay. No, but I, I was just saying that. <clears throat> so I started doing a little bit of research. I'm like, okay, are there genes? What makes you have insomnia and what kind of insomnia? And, and I think it, we can have a whole conversation about sleep, but I just want to let people know that there are reasons why people have insomnia. So there's genetic predispositions. I'll mention some of them. It's MEI. S1, which is uh, the homeobox uh, gene. There's also bruxism-related genes. Bruxism is grinding your teeth. So some people don't know they Ooh. grind their teeth in the middle of the night. I know I do that. Yeah, DRD2, DRD3. I do that too. I had no idea until I went to get my teeth clean. They're like, you grind your teeth. I'm like, no, I don't. No, you grind your teeth. And then they want you to wear that those guards, and I can't do it. Like that. I'm, I'm wearing there's that shit. There's nothing uh, less sexy than, hey, honey. <laughs> Hold on, I want to. I want to. I want right to get now. a little frisky with you. But let me just take out my mouth guard. Um, yeah, no, I'm not doing it. Uh, I was dating this girl. Man, she's gonna. She's probably gonna listen to this. I was. Uh, she had, she a, had a mouth guard, guard. <laughs> and, it, and I had to take it out. Every time. Yeah, that's uh, not. <laughs> let's just drool. say it's. It yeah. had the drool on it. Let's just it say out, it's ruined. It's case. ruined the sex lives of many of many couples. But, but they have very healthy teeth, which is. The, 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 That's a very important, yes. Yeah. Uh, but MAO, some of the M MAO markers, MAOB, H2, R2A. And the reason why I bring this up is people need to understand that some of them have genetic predispositions to insomnia, to falling asleep, to staying asleep, and then quality of sleep. So the main thing that I wanted to really talk about in this subject is it's not even the hours of sleep that you get, how much sleep you get. It's the quality of sleep. When you're hitting that REM sleep, you can sleep for four or five hours and maybe have a restful sleep versus sleeping for 10 hours and staying in alpha where you're not getting your restful sleep. You're not having those lucid dreams. And, and I think that sleep is also a personal thing. It's an individual thing. You need to recover. But maybe for me, my recovery is six good hours of REM sleep versus a full eight hours of sleep. But my issue is I don't get up in the middle of the night. Once I'm asleep, you can shoot a shotgun right next really? to my ear. I, I think I'm going to, I am a deep, 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 deep sleeper. But it takes me, like I went to sleep after one last night and I was up at seven. So I'm like five and a half, six hours sleep. That's a I good feel, solid. I feel good. Yeah. I feel good. But it, it was a solid. Now, solid do you take sleep. anything to help you sleep? Um. I don't take anything to help me sleep per se, but I do consume cannabis at night. Right. Uh, that probably keeps you asleep. Something. Yes and no. So when you consume THC at a certain level, 
THC starts being active in your brain. So think about it as uh, somebody who drinks alcohol. And if you drink a lot of alcohol, which I don't really do, uh, some people can pass out. When you pass out from alcohol, you're passed out sleeping. You can be out sleeping for 10 hours and you wake up and you feel like shit. I'm like, fuck, man, I'm not rested. Oh, my God. And besides the poison trying to come out of your body, you never really got restful sleep. Your brain is still active with mm. those receptors that are being activated. So you can consume, and I know you can consume a lot of THC, but your brain will be activated at that time. So you won't be able to get your really restful sleep. So you have to understand what's right for you, how much to take, because as you, you know, people get couch like, and they're like, oh my God, I pass out. You're not really getting your restful sleep. So I take with, uh, with intention. So I consume a little bit. And I consume something that's right for me, uh, that has mercy and that's sedative. But I make sure that I don't consume too high of THC at night or any concentrates because that will activate my brain and will not have a restful sleep. Yeah. I mean, you talk about flow. I usually get up around four in the morning because I have to pee. That's my oh, flow. flow. That yeah. flow. <laughs> that's my flow. So does my partner. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my flow. Um, but I, you know, I've been actually trying to, and I feel like that messes with my, my sleep. So what I've been trying to do, uh, aside from getting old, wear a diaper, yeah, is wear a diaper like our president (laughs) coming always back to the president. Um, but also, no, I've been experimenting with a lot of different, you know, and this is something maybe you and I should talk about a lot of different, uh, you know, different CBDs, you know, do I want to take a CBD that has a little bit of THC, like a 30 to one I took last night, a pop and Barkley 30 to one THC to CBD to C- THC mix, 30 CBD to, ten- to one THC. I've also, and then I supplemented it with a little melatonin. Sometimes I'll just take melatonin. I've tried a lot of things. I'm, I'm just experimenting each night and trying to see what works best for me. I mean, I don't have such a problem falling asleep, but I have a problem uh, waking up in the middle of the night. And I know that sometimes people say that CBD can help you sleep through the night, but my flow is always not getting for in the me. way. Not for <clears> you. Yeah, <laughs> not for me. Yeah. CBD, the, CBD is not, it's not sedative for me. Yeah, and I, most people that have ADD that I've spoken with, and there is a, a genetic aspect to this, CBD, I just kind of veg out, and it gets me a little more calm. Yeah, but I can stay up. It yeah. actually keeps me up. How about melatonin? Time. Have you tried melatonin? Yeah, it doesn't work. Doesn't work for you? Not for me? No. no okay. I I know what works for me uh, specifically. Why? Because you got ADD like me. I want to know. Give me the secret. Yeah. So mine is a low uh, THC. Uh, formulation that has a little bit of CBD mm. uh, or somewhere closer to one to one. Okay. Uh, something that's more, but it's the terpene profile, the essential oils. Like, not to plug our company in any way, but I'll uh, plug we, it. I'm going to buy it right well, after we, this call. We've licensed, <laughs> we've licensed our formulations to companies like Thunderstorm, for instance. Mm-hmm. So I'll give it, I'll give them a plug too. They have a formulation, a Nano 5 DNA formulation that we've uh, licensed to them that is a formulation that helps them. S- people sleep. And I've given that formulation to many people, including rock musicians that, that haven't slept in years and years. And it's really effective. Does it come in the form of a pill? A, a flower? It's, it's, a, it's It comes as a tincture. You can put a spray top on and spray. So that way you don't have to worry about the 11 hydroxide conversion in your liver. And it goes directly into your bloodstream. And it's a safer way no, smoking, I never recommend, even though that's my method, I, I like to, to smoke, but I also, also have a tincture. This And the one-to-one, uh, you know, my partner, Eric, he has uh, similar issues to you. And we used to share hotel rooms when we used to be on the road and you get up in the middle of the night. So that formulation has been working for him really well and other people. Mm. So that it's 
it's the terpene profile and the essential oils, like in complimenting to you as well. So I'm going to talk to my to friends over at Thunderstorm about that one, because that sounds really good. Yeah. I'll be happy to share with you, but uh, it's a formula that, that really, really has been working really well, but it's an individual thing. So John, I want to touch on self-help for a little bit. Okay. Why don't you tell us about your experience uh, with self-help? <laughs> Do you have a whole episode? <laughs> I want to cover this in may, way more detail on an episode about these uh, these guru kind of yep. things. But maybe you can you can just kind of give a teaser, and then we'll talk about you know, you okay. know, my experience. Well, uh, not to do any plugs, but I do actually in my personal podcast right about now, I talk about this at length. This On this week, um, I interviewed a, a therapist who specializes in cults and has a lot of clients who are former members of cults, including a lot from the Nexium cult, which has been kind of in the news lately. That's the sex mm-hmm. cult that was on HBO and then various channels, the documentary. But my experience is, as a kid, my parents were involved with a group called The Unfoldment, or it's called, sometimes it was called The Group. <laughs> so it didn't really have a name, and there was a teacher, a charismatic teacher named Dr. Kenneth Mills. He wasn't really a doctor. We found out later he just had an honorary degree. He was really just <laughs> Kenneth. So I, we used to call him Mr. Mills, and then all of a sudden he was Dr. Mills, but we always called him Mr. It was always Mr. Mills, right? And so growing up, there was always this mysterious figure in my life named Mr. Mills, right? And he lived up in Canada, and he, and, you know, when he would come down, he would sometimes stay in my parents' bedroom. My parents would like move out and he would like kind of be in our house and all these people would come over and hear him speak. And my brother and I thought it was very weird when we were kids. But as we got older, we started realizing that this was like a serious thing that my parents were involved in. And then eventually the summer of my senior year of high school, my mother insisted that my brother and I go up to this workshop that he had up in Canada, like a summer school. And it was that summer that we kind of got now I would say more indoctrinated than, but you know, at the time it just felt like, wow, we met Dr. Mills and Mr. Mills and we became very like involved in this group. And I spent then the remainder of my twenties sort of in and out of this group that my parents had introduced me to, because it was a very, it was pretty hard to get out of sort of basically like studying with this guy, going to his lectures, sometimes even going up to Canada from my home in New York, which was a nine hour drive on the Friday nights and then arriving on Saturday morning and then kind of sitting through one of his lectures and then talking to him and whatever. It's a long story, but so my experience with self-help was always having this teacher, uh, Mr. Mills, um, sort of guide us through our lives. Now, there was a lot of really positive things that came out of it. I would say probably more negative things than positive things, but there were some positive things. You know, I did not grow up with this sort of traditional religious background. I had no spiritual foundation in my life. So this was kind of it when I was a younger person. But the problem with his teaching, as I would later come to learn, was that the sort of ultimate goal was to devotion to that teacher and devotion to his teaching, which was oftentimes a lot about giving your time up to his causes and what he wanted us to do in the world, et cetera. So it was not about your sort of independence and you know flourishing in the outside world. It was about kind of giving up. So a lot of the people in the group didn't really had these little jobs on the side, but really they spent all their time giving their money and their time and their effort to this group and to this teacher. And that was not a good thing. And there was no graduation date. You were just doing it for life until he died, right? So that was my introduction to self-help early on in my life. So as a result, as I got older and got wiser to what was happening, and it took me, this is years of therapy. It wasn't just like one day I was like, hey, that was fucked up, right? <laughs> you know, I realized, and plus, you know, I, my parents, who I have tremendous amount of respect for, were very involved. And my brother was very, very involved in the teaching. And still, he isn't as much anymore, but let's just say he he did well after the, the teacher died. So the point of this all is that I've been very skeptical about self-help. 
And so when you talk about men's groups and stuff like that, I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't poo-poo them because I've been in them. I mean, I was in, there was a men's yeah. group in the Mr. Mills teaching. I, I yeah. totally, it was all about that. It was a lot about that. Whenever there's a, um, a teacher, like a guru who everybody's worshiping and revering, I'm very skeptical of those kinds of teachings yeah. because those people take away your, um, your agency and your, um, decision-making abilities and they see it always nobody ever joins a cult nobody ever says i want to be in a cult right they join a group of people like-minded people who they think are you know helping so for example when you talk about tom tim robbins tim robbins tom robbins tony tony robbins sorry there's so many there's tom robbins the writer there's (laughs) there's a tim robbins actor (laughs) yeah um no when you talk about tony robbins that makes my antenna go up because to me that's yeah. a bit of a cult of personality now i know you don't follow him every day you don't but that is a little bit more well on it's even lines. his documentary is called i'm not your guru yeah I'm and not, i know that he's he's into that and a lot of it is sometimes the teacher himself might not want you to be his guru but the people in the group make him a guru no you're you're absolutely right about that and even being at an event it has that kind of feel to it right uh, like the worshiping I, of a person and i i believe that it sort of preys on certain people that have a certain personality. Like to mm-hmm. me, he's just one guy that I take bits and pieces of, uh, but there's many others and I'll go into mine, but I can see where that can become a challenge. Let's yes. just say for people. And again, I would never get, I was never even sucked into it when I was with Dr. Mills because mm-hmm. I was always the bad kid in my family of like not doing the things that he wanted us to do and was be yeah. very, very rebellious. But I, I get concerned about groups like that. And again, I, I oftentimes think the teacher might be the most normal person in the group, and it's the people in the group that are actually making the teacher into a something to be worshipped or a god, you know? Maybe, I mean, I and, think... and the same thing is happening with Trump. I see it all, you know, I, I see a very similar thing happening with Trump and some of his followers, whether they're in his inner circle or sort of outside of his circle. And not that everybody who voted <clears> for Trump is, a, is in a cult, but there are certain people that treat Trump as if he's some sort of messiah um, a yeah. messianic figure and and he isn't and and nobody is and so that always concerns me so that's yeah. kind of been my self-help that said i have my own way of doing self-help i've really discovered very recently mindfulness meditation uh, buddhism yeah. there's certain self-help i I don't even like the word self-help things to improve yourself like you talk about flow and all these things these are very interesting to me as long as it's not associated with one teacher that i have to sort of give my life and money and time to um, well, it's that. it's you know. it's the money thing, and, and there's so many things that are going on right now. So I started. I was reading Dianetics. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about the Scientology. I didn't even know right. anything that it became Classic like cult. Used to a yeah. cult. I'm like, oh, this is an interesting book. And I was a kid, and I I was I was just going to flea markets. With my dad and I was getting these books because they had interesting covers on them. I right. was reading that stuff. And my first, like as you said, self help kind of book. I read this uh, book called The Psychology of Winning. Mm. by Dr. Dennis uh, Waitley, I think his name is. And people were like, why are you reading this book? And I was sitting on the beach with a friend, so I'm reading mm. this book. What the hell? You're, you're a pussy reading this fucking stupid-ass book. I'm like, no, it's kind of interesting. I, right. I started highlighting things. And so I was always fascinated. Curious, by ways yeah, that, curious. I'm super curious. And then it got me into you know reading like uh, uh, Victor Frankl, Men's mm-hmm. Search for which is maybe my favorite book of all time and Malcolm Gladwell outliers and, and getting into Tony Robbins. But I got into Tony Robbins through Jim Rohn. I found a Jim Rohn video, like some, some stuff about Jim Rohn, who was one of the mentors that Tony Robbins used. And then what happens to a lot of these people is like Jim Rohn 
went to work for Herbalife. So I'm like, wait, I'm connecting to this guy, but now he's part of Herbalife. Nothing wait, against Herbalife, but it just- A little bit of a pyramid scheme, isn't Herbalife? Yeah. <laughs> People I'm making say no, no accusations say right. here what what it, what it is, but it's a network marketing company. So yeah. that's- Yeah, so that's, that's, all, that's all we have to say. <laughs> yes, it's everybody can make their own uh, decisions on that. And then when, when I got into Tony Robbins, I can see getting sucked in and being at that event, like there is adrenaline. There's all these chemicals that are, that are getting out of your head. Mm -hmm. So you want to be part of that. And we're social animals. Right. So in my flow class through uh, Stephen Kotler, who uh, was uh, wrote uh, Stealing Fire, which is one of my other favorite books, it's scientifically based and it's self-study. So you have breakout groups, but I, it's online. So I'm, I'm looking at these things. But when I watch his video lately, there is a person. There's always a person, right? So it's, is it about the person who's writing the book or is it about the material? And you always have to question yourself and not so new for people that really connect is Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I've been uh, looking at uh, some of the work that Dr. Joe Dispenza has been doing and uh, following that. So anything that's scientifically backed, as long as the person is really coming from a place of giving and contribution, but we should have a show just about all this stuff. And I'll go. Oh, I want to, I want to do it. And I'll tell you what I've learned in my research, because I'm yeah. doing quite a deep dive into this and I'm really happy to share my learnings. And again, I'm, I don't want to come across as somebody who's like anti personal growth because in fact, I still get teased by my friends about, you know, you listen to those podcasts and you just, yeah, I just, whenever there's a, some sort of um, teacher associated with it, that gets revered by his students and, I, then I immediately have my radar goes off and say, there's something a little off about this. Group. Yeah. Let's definitely have a show about that. But yeah. uh, the only warning that I want to give to people is that try to get information from different things that connect to you. Look at the content that you're getting and not necessarily the person's delivering the content to you. Uh, yeah. Disconnect from the person. Right. The person's just a vessel and a vehicle to get content and look at everything. Pick and choose right. what's right for you. But if the person is saying ultimately, and always starts off in a great way, like you have a great transformation and a breakthrough, yeah. right? But then you start realizing that in order for you to have more breakthroughs like that, you have to give more and more to this person, not just financially, <laughs> but of your time, of your yeah. energy, of your brain power, then be suspicious because you don't want to hand over your will to somebody else ever. And you said people are generally pack animals. And I agree, people like to be in groups. And there's that feeling of a cult of a, of a like minded people, that's a very powerful thing. Mm -hmm. But people are also oftentimes want like a father figure, they want somebody to help tell yeah. them what to do and to navigate this very complicated world. Mm -hmm. And it's very appealing when somebody, a charismatic person tells you, I have the answers to the questions you've been searching for your whole life. And I'm yeah. going to help you. And I'm going to give you seek answers to things that nobody else in the world knows. Yeah. You hear that all the time. Be suspicious of that because if one person is telling you, it has to come from you, all those discoveries, not from somebody else. So yeah. anyway, we can talk about this for hours. All right. And Len, do you want to go first? Do you want to share your, your song with me? Yeah, uh, I'll share my song. This is the complexity of this is is really interesting because uh, it builds.
just giving some some um, narrative on what's going on for people who can't see. There's two guys in a studio and they're playing different instruments and the one guy is actually flipping a passport book. He's got a saxophone and they're sampling themselves and building up the song. Oh, I love when that do this. It's so cool. It's like um, when you see those guys on the street that have all these like 10 different instruments that they're playing all one at one time, but this is right. like through electronics. <clears throat> so and- it's, a, it's an eight minute long song. There's a short version of it. That's like three minutes, but I wanted to show that this guy FJK, he's a French producer. He plays every single instrument and he's amazing at doing these loops. And then um, Masigo, he also plays as you saw and you know our audience may have seen he plays a bunch of different instruments as well so together they're layering the song and sampling and, and we'll talk about samples uh, another time well i'm i'm about to play it's interesting cuz i'm about to talk i'm about to play something for you that's very sample heavy so what would you think of that i really thought that was very cool and i think they were doing it in real time the whole thing was done in real time so i don't even real know time. if they were improvising that or if that was all kind of pre-programmed but it seemed like a lot of it was improvised, which was so cool. And I love the like, that that sample and then he's singing over it. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I forgot to say who it is. It's FJK and Masigo, and the song is called Tado, T-A-D-O-W. Yeah, it's a dope It's a dope track. How did you find it? I get into my YouTube kind of zones where I just, one of the only three guys left in the world to watch his YouTube videos of songs. Like, there was actually videos for songs. Yeah, so I get in my hole and then, I listen and the, and the guy's on everywhere now. Like he did a, a tiny desk concert recently too that, that I highly recommend. All right, here we go, my friend. Can you hear that? Yeah. 
You recognize those two tracks? Yeah, Karma Police and Day in the Life. I thought that's a pretty freaking cool mashup. Fucking great mash, yeah. That was great. one of the better ones I've ever heard. That's called Karma and the Life by Go Home Productions. And I just, you know, there's been a lot of mashups, but that one was so spot on in terms of like, you can't even tell they're two different songs and they just lend each other. First of all, it's two of my favorite bands in the whole world, the yeah, Beatles and Radiohead. And then to combine those, and then they, not only that, but at the end, he throws in a little bit of, um, I am the walrus. Yeah. Anyway, I just like to share that with people. I just thought it was a very creative use of samples. Well, so timely too, because uh, I think a few days ago was the 40th anniversary of the passing of John Lennon. Big ups to John Lennon. I don't know what he would think about people uh, sampling his music. He uh, would hate it. He would freaking hate it, right? Just like <laughs> Keith Richards hated it. Keith Richards hated when um, the Verve uh, sampled, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is one of the greatest bittersweet symphonies, one of the great I samples. Lo- I love that, man. That's I know, amazing. and Keith Richards freaked out on them. But anyway, I honestly, we can let's we do a whole episode on sampling because i think it's an art form into itself and it really in a sense like we've talked about this led zeppelin was sampling blues artists we've borrowed from each other for uh since music was was around so i think that's kind of obnoxious the whole sampling thing what a action-packed podcast stuff i mean there was so much i'm exhausted mentally and physically just from doing this podcast i hope that it it helped people get in the flow because I actually now have to get in the flow. <laughs> I'm in flow when I'm doing this. Like time just goes by. I know. I I'm, think out of this, I want people when they subscribe and comment, we really want to have a deeper discussion on, uh, you know, self-help or motivation, whatever you want to call it as an industry. I think it'll going to be interesting. So people can chime in on that. And then, uh, you know, our sample show, I think that those two things we'll, we'll dig a little bit deeper on. And also I'd love to talk about reading material. In that vein of self-help or motivation, what do you like to turn to book-wise? Or like yeah, I'd be fascinated with that. And I've po- read some really, really interesting ones lately. So Me too. Them. And when I read them, sometimes I'll even bring them, we can bring them on the show to interview them. I've certainly brought them oh, on my uh, personal, personal show to interview. Those people are dying to talk to us. To you who are listening to this, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah. Yes. Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Broke out broke out the Hebrew. <laughs> All right. Word peace. Peace everyone. Weather cruising in a six cab, I'm on tarot deep, I can't call it. The beats make me falling asleep, I keep falling, but never falling six feet deep. I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what? I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what? I'm out for dead presidents to represent me. The world is this. The world is yours. The world is yours.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.